Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me today again. I am really honoured by your presence um, and I hope you're having a great weekend. Well, um, I hope you are also watching the Commonwealth Games because India has reached 40, gold, 40 medals. We haven't reached our tally uh, of the last games, however, at 66. Um, but I think they have um, reduced some events, if I'm not mistaken, because we have every country has reduced its medals from its last games. I mean, uh, I think Australia had 197 or 95 medals at the last games, and they're still at 154. So everyone has reduced its tally uh, compared to the previous games. I don't know if they've reduced the events, but uh, we're still doing a good job. And, and kudos to the Indian athletes. Don't forget to support them. Uh, on the other hand, as we see here, uh, the liberation of the Indian soul, of the Vedic soul from the stranglehold of uh, uh, Abrahamic slavery uh, is giving us benefits because we've been enslaved, our voice has been enslaved, our energy has been enslaved, uh, and we cannot, uh, and we've not been able to reach any heights. We've been repressed with the socialist, Marxist negativity. Now we are freeing ourselves, we are showing our freedom, are spreading our wings, and it's so beautiful to see. However, our neighbors who are not, who used to be part of the Vedic civilization, have taken the, the different route and prefer to stay in their Abrahamic cage and enslaved. But um, a video on uh, YouTube uh, on Hindustan Times says uh, where Pakistan Premier Sharif, uh, Shabazz Sharif, uh, vents frustration over the delay in the bailout package, IMF has enslaved us. Yes, the IMF has slaved you because you're going with your begging bowl. And why are you doing that? Because all you've never invested in anything. They've never invested in anything. They are, uh, they've got a trade deficit, a massive trade deficit. They hardly produce any goods. They're importing everything, including tea. Uh, what do you expect? It's like you're living on your credit card. One one time the credit card's going to go over. Did you not think did you, uh, that this is going to happen? Did you not look at history of the political empires of the past, of the Mughal empires, of the Abrahamic empires, of the Islamic empires, how they came tumbling down because they invested in war and slaves, not in, 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 in um, empowerment, not in economics, not in... Uh, not in, idea, in, in, in literal science. What they had, what they considered as Islamic science, was, all, was taken from previous generations and previous pe people who were already there. Their labels were changed, but the mentality still remained the same. And the moment they became Islamic, they could not even think out of the box. They had to think within the box. And slowly, 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 they, they came crashing down. They never risen again. And until you're in a box, you're never going to go anywhere. But... So, so, so the Pakistan Prime Minister is saying that the IMF has enslaved you. So everything is someone else's problem, not your problem. You're not going. They're not going to take responsibility. IMF is the problem. They're going. They're, they're begging bowl to the IMF, but they are the problem, not the, not not Pakistan. When are you going to take your your responsibility to create that equal opportunity? Why are you even going there? But no, 
they will not do that. Well, we're going to go. We talked a little bit about Pakistan yesterday, re-imaging Pakistan, dysfunctional state. We're going to go back to it today and continue and, and read a little bit about this, this book. Uh, it's a great book. I, I hope you'll buy it on Amazon or wherever, Flipkart. But yes, we're going to talk about what Pakistan did since 1947. Uh, as they say, as uh, the prime minister says, when we have an, when we are economically enslaved by uh, the IMF, what what we've done, what have we done since 1947? Nothing. And I'm going to show you what they've done. They've invested in all the wrong things in ideology, in backward ideology. Whether you like it or not, whether you think it's saintly or not, the problem is it's not going anywhere and they did not learn from their mistakes. Uh, and so we're going to talk about this and we'll, 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 we'll discuss it uh, going forward and you will see a little bit about what they have done since 1947. So the Jamaat Islami, Islami was a South Asian analog of the Arab Muslim Brotherhood. Established in 1941 and stayed out of political fray before partition, Maududi had criticized the Muslim League and its goal of Pakistan, saying a westernized elite could not be trusted to have an Islamic state. After independence, however, the Jama changed its approach, embraced the idea of Pakistan, and called the Muslim League's bluff by demanding, uh, called the Muslim League's bluff by demanding that it create the Islamic state. It promised while seeking votes in 45 and 46. Maududi now described the Islamic State and told politicians how to bring it uh, into being. Uh, he reminded Pakistan's leaders that Islam was not a faith but an ideology and that Islam was a way of life and about political power. He saw Islam as the only alternative to materialistic ideologies like capitalism and communism. He sought to establish sovereignty of God and believed that the country belongs to God, ruled by law, God's law, and ruled by pious people. Maududi also for, put forth the concept of theodemocracy, which means a theologically circumcised democracy where the law of God was implemented by the people's representative, something akin to what the Ayatollah Khomeini established through the Vilayat e that means the governance of the jurist. By the time of his death in 79, Maududi became a major political influence in Pakistan and the Jamaat Islami was embedded in Pakistan's ideology establishment with support from military rulers, General Yaha Khan and General Zia-ul-Haq. Uh, um, although Liaquat, the mover of the objective resolution was assassinated in 1959 in 51 sorry and Assad the European origin ideologue of the Islamic State left the government of Pakistan late a year later the concept of Pakistan as a laboratory for Islamic Islam political revival was firmly entrenched by the time of their leaving the scene in the decades to come Pakistan had gone on to try and define by law who is or is not Muslim, adopted uh, and abandoned um, interest-free banking, considered segregation of sexes in public, and endeavored to implement the Sharia. The quality of education in Pakistan has declined as a result of the attempts to comply with clerical demands. 
the, nuclear, the number of clerics has also increased exponentially. At independence in 1947, there were only 137 madrasas. In Pakistan, nine years later, in 1956, they reported 244 in West Pakistan. In 1995, the Ministry of Education est estimated the figure at 3,906, which increased to 7,000 in, in the year 2000 and 35,000 madrasas by 2016. Around 26,000 madrasas are registered by Pakistan with a religious umbrella organization called Itiad e Tanzamit e Madris. Experts believe around 9,000 unregistered madrasas operate in the South Asian country too. Under Ziaul Haq, Islamic Islam. Islamizing dictatorship, madrasas became a supply line for jihad for the anti-Soviet war in Afghanistan. Since those educated in madrasas are unsuited for occupations other than mullahs, they have an incentive to build more mosques, which attracted more madrasas, uh, which attached to more madrasas to provide them a living. Madrasa education creates barriers to modern knowledge stifling creativity and breeding bigotry, asserts one analyst of the phenomenon. It is this foundation on which fundamentalism, militism, or otherwise is built. Pakistan's founding generation were primarily Western-educated or even religious ulema, ulema of the time were known for erudition. Um... That has changed over the years, with each major sect spawning, spawning a religio-political uh, party, recruiting new members from madrasas, and generating sectarian strife to increase their political clout. Um, clerical clerical sometime, leaders sometimes create controversies that seem ludicrous uh, in the day and age, but their followers, for their followers, these become the most important and urgent questions. Most uh, modern educated individuals with a religious bent also joined the polemic. Among the many instances of the absurdity of some of the experimentation with Islamization was recommendation, recommendation in 1980 by a leading nuclear scientist that jinns or genies, being fiery creatures, ought to be tapped as a free source of energy. He expected Pakistan's energy problem to be solved by this means. Dr. Bashiruddin Muhammad noted that King Solomon, a biblical figure also mentioned in the Quran, had harnessed energy from jinns. I think that if we dwell up our souls, we can dwell up communications with them. No one has, of course, been able to build jinn energies, but the emphasis on Islam in Pakistani life has created a situation where influential figures such as uh, Mahmud continue to view to be viewed as serious scientists after embracing an alternative reality not upheld by science. Go figure. So we're going to talk about Islamic enterprise and secular management. In the first 25 years, Pakistan was an Islamic enterprise run by secular management. Most Muslim leaders were Western-educated individuals with a secular outlook on life, as were Pakistan's first batch of civil servants and generals. But they choose for political reasons not to support the strict separa separation between religion and state. Uh, Pakistan's establishment hoped to relegate Islam to the sphere of 
policy rather than law, which rhetorically describing the country as an Islamic state. Yaqif was the first and foremost indefatigable exponent of this approach. He explained to the nation, even before objectives, the objectives revolution, that an Islamic society was, was one with no inner conflicts, uh, where a man can get gets just reward for his toil and where there are no parasites. So a perfect and pure state is basically what they're trying to say, uh, if it's an Islamic state. So, yeah, that's a fantasy land, a hallucination. But uh, they can have 1,400 years of Islam, Islamic history to go by, but no, they've never gone by it. they rather make up their own. So let's go back to the book. A foremost, according to Liaquet, the foremost duty of a government based on Islamic principles was to end all exploitation. After the resolution was passed, he dispelled the notion that Pakistan would be a theocratic state wherein the ulama would reign supreme. Liaquet stressed the equality of citizens, Muslims and non-Muslims alike, and spoke of Islamic socialism. What he meant is by this is not very clear for it was used more or less as a slogan. Binder notes, adding, at times it seemed to mean something a bit different from usual notions of either Islam or socialism, as when he asserted that he believed in no other ism except Islamic socialism. The government's economic policy was simply outlined in religious terms. A distinctive economic system was found to be product of Islamic laws on arms giving, inheritance, denial of usury, usury, and protection of rights of private property. The Islamic State was responsible for the material welfare of its citizens, um, was derived from the pension scheme of Umar uh, I in 7th century A Arabia. The resultant, which Liaquet called Islamic socialism, was no more than capitalism plus social security plus God. Uh, references to Islam became the order of the day in discussions of industrial development. Uh, while describing Pakistan's early years in, in a 1961 book, uh, the author Binder uh, says, it was almost as if Pakistan's leaders were hoping that the general aim of the material welfare of the common man would overshadow the religious injunction against the giving or taking of interest. Thus, to Pakistan's founding generation, Islamic economics was a buzzword and they did not intend to introduce anything like false saving, state capitalism, or even abolition, uh, abolition of banks. The Islamic um, parlance of Pakistan's founders, however, could not remain just that. Liaquat and his successors tended to see that no contradiction between the British parliamentary democracy and Islam, but others stated a debate on what was true Islam. Uh, would be a true Islamic political system might be. The ulama instead insisted that Sharia law as handed down over time must be the only law in an Islamic state. Some modernists preferred uh, the theory that Islamic concept of ijma, consensus, could be extended in modern times to legislation through parliament, expecting that this would avoid disruption and, administ and administrative and political institutions inherent from the British Raj. Professor Ishtiak Hussein Qureshi, a deputy minister, 
uh, told a political science conference in Lahore in 1950 that the important task before those making the constitution was to adjust the eternal principles of Islam to the needs of the modern age. He explained that Islam was not a system of rigid laws. It requires a new interpretation for every age of development. But that led to the question of how far we can go to discarding precedents with, without during, enduring principles. At the same time, Tamizuddin uh, Khan, sorry, the president of the Constituent Assembly, spoke against closing of the gate of Ijtihad. The 9th century Sunni consensus that major religious questions have been answered and no further need to exercise personal reasoning in religious matters. He relied on the poet philosopher Muhammad Iqbal for his authority. Um, Justice S.A. Rahman of the Federal Court insisted that Islam's eternal principles left a very wide field of evolutionary progress in the political and social spheres. Uh, the time has now arrive when the power of Ishtiyad should be removed from the representatives of schools to Muslim legis legislative assembly. My dear friends, this is exactly what they've been doing since 1947 in the Islamic State. And they try to push it in India to the back door. The uh, lobbyist of, of Pakistan allied with the with the Islamic establishment that was left over in India and bought out the Indian government through the back door, forcing them to uh, forcing their influence on our education system, on uh, the academia, on the media, and made sure that they were we were solely um, entrenched with a selective amnesia to glorify the Islamic uh, civilization to the detriment of our own, making them so pure and so perfect that every single issue, problem, situation was uh, served up as a Hindu problem and never an Islamic problem. They were set free as the pure religion of God uh, while they tighten the noose around us intellectually, not allowing us to, to understand, um, collaborate, uh, to resurrect, to inquire, to introspect any of the past that had happened, lest we might find out the real answer behind our problems. And that's why we've been so frustrated and, and repressed for so many years. So. Um, thanks to the lobbies of the Islamic establishment, and I will say the Christian establishment also, our Indian government for the last 50, 60 years has done absolutely nothing but feed us with sick, secular uh, ideology, uh, but promoting only one group of people to the detriment of others. Um, and in conjunction, these people, these lobbies who bought out the Indian National Congress, were also allying with lobbies and with groups outside the state of India who were funding them. So primarily um, Pakistan, who in those days had more money than India, uh, and were getting a lot of money from foreign entities. Um, they were using, um, they were using, they were allying with the Islamic establishment on the ground, and obviously you had the Christian establishment that was uh, being funded by foreign Christian missionaries and, and foreign Christian establishments all over the world. 
and being used as a pawn on the inside to buy out the Indian government to their uh, promotion and to to continue their colonization of the land to the back door and make sure that only our, their education mentality and system um, is in our academia, uh, academia to the detriment of the Indian civilization. So the Islamic and the Christian lobbies were the ones who did all the dirty work behind the scenes. Um, that's basically what was happening since 1947. So we're going to continue a little bit uh, and see what else Pakistan has done since 1947. Meanwhile, the Claritin Islamists also remain active in continuing to push for a version of Islamic law that put them center stage in its implementation. In addition to Maududi and the Jamaat-e-Islami, uh, clerics of the Sunni Deobandi schools also sought a role in making pa uh, Pakistan an Islamic state. Most Deobandi clerics have opposed Jinnah and the Muslim League, fearing that the partition of India would only weaken and, and, and divide its widely dispersed Muslim population. But the Jamaat-ulama Jamaat Islam has supported the Muslim League. And its leader, Maulana Usami, has been elected Pakistan's elected to Pakistan's Constitutional Assembly. He arrived in Karachi in December 1947 with the intention of holding Pakistani leaders to their promise of making Pakistan an Islamic state. Uh, a report published in 1948 in January, Usmani had set up an office in the hometown of Maulana Istihami ul Haq Tanvi. And within days, the house became the center for continuous comings and goings of the Karachi ulema and of their supporters. The Jamaat uh, Ulema Islam passed a resolution demanding that the government appoint a leading alim um, to the office of Sheikh al-Islam uh, with corporate ministerial and executive powers over the Qazis, Islamic judges throughout the country, Plans were also announced to organize public opinion throughout the country in favor of pure Islamic constitution for Pakistan. The ulama also worked out a complete table of organization of the Ministry of Ecclesial Affairs, which suggested names for every position. They proposed that the ministry to be immune to the ordinary changes of the government. Liaquit and others at the helm of affairs in Pakistan's earliest years were not religious men. The country's secular elite had decided to declare Pakistan an Islamic state because it realized that Pakistanis had multiple identities and religions might be easier tool in creating Pakistani identity. The experience of language riots on, on behalf of Bengal in East Pakistan had pointed out, uh, had pointed out the difficulty of subsuming ethnic identities identities into new Pakistani identity. It, if being Pakistani could be made synonymous with being Muslim, a Pakistani Muslim nation might be forged with less difficulty. Uh, creating an ideological state was not easy as it seemed. Islam meant different things to different people and Pakistan's ideological evolution could not be left to clerics or even to the will of the people. Institutions of the state had to control the process of building the new nation, ensuring the supremacy of the state institutions required greater uh, centralization of authority. The secular elite, beginning with Liaquat, uh, assumed that they would continue to lead the country while rallying people on the basic Islamic uh, ideology. The theologians and the Islamic activists were used as allies but not empowered so much that they would start writing laws or running government departments. 
If the objective's resolution was a secular elite attempt to pay to paying lip service to Islam without pushback from the Islamists for a greater share in power, they did not fully succeed. Moreover, if the Muslim League and various leaders could invoke religious arguments for political ends, so could the Islamists. There was also the potential for secular competitors for power to enroll the help of clerics. Um, so you see, this is basically what they were doing um, since since 1947. I mean, my goodness gracious. Uh, there's nothing here, nothing about economics. Uh, they did not, they have never wanted economics to be their powerhouse. Compared to India, um, where economics has been invested in since the time of 1947 and before, we've always been, the Vedic subcontinent has been an economic, um, you know, lotus and economic ecstasy. Um, and this is because we know that economics is the basis of one's existence. If there's no economics, there's nothing. Um, and, and you have to invest in it. That comes with education. And you have to invest in education. Now, you could say Nehru did it. Yes, he did. Um, not the best of education, but he put the, uh, the, 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 the wheel in motion and kudos to him. But education, knowledge has always been part of the Indian subcontinent and our psychic going back thousands of years. Um, so, absolutely, uh, we'll just read a little bit of the Islamic rage, Islamist rage in Pakistan, um, a little bit, and we'll go from there. The transformation of East Pakistan into Bangladesh should have been an opportunity to revive the two-nation theory and the ideology of Pakistan. The Bengalis had proved the ethnicity and demands for a rightful share of the country's resources was a strong factor in determining their nationalism than Islam. West Pakistani soldiers, on the other hand, had demonstrated how a shared fate did not prevent uh, them from committing atrocities against fellow citizens from whom they colored, co considered lesser Muslims or lesser Pakistanis. But instead of lessening reliance on religion and act and a factor in politics, the loss of East Pakistan only moved Pakistan towards a closer embrace of ideological nation building. Uh, with East Pakistan gone, Pakistan lost the moderating influence of secular Bengali politicians. Pa Punjab had been the heartland of religious politics, now constituted majority of New Pakistan. Pakistan was geographically compact with dominant ethnic groups, the Punjabis, and a military that sought to avenge its humiliation in Bangladesh. Ethnic Baloch and Pashtun politicians were the last remaining secularists, uh, but they could not hope to have any influence. Bhutto, the consummate uh, po uh, politician, decided that he would implement his plan for a socialist economy like uh, Nehru with a stronger dose of religious fervor. He believed that this was what the people wanted and he was the man to give it to them. Pakistan after, the ni after 1971 was demographically almost 97% Muslim. Moreover, the British era judges, civil servants, politicians, military leaders who peddled Islamic rhetoric without necessarily believing in it were gradually fading from the scene. The new generation had grown up with the post-partition Islamic sloganism and ideological 
uh, regimentation and the Bhutto Pakistan still jungle between the needs of a modern state and pressure from clerics to recreate a bygone era, but the balance had shifted away into some action to reinforce Islam and, and to follow the promises unlike Pakistani initial years when insurances of Islamization sufficed. Bhutto portrayed himself in the word of political scientist Anwar Sayyid as a socialist servant of Islam to rebuke the argument of his Islamist opponents that socialism was anti-ethical to God and to religion, but to advertise his personal dedication to Islam, and instead he thought that he was a good Muslim. He said he was a proud, he was proud of being Muslim indeed. He was first a Muslim and then a Pakistani. Bhutto tried to narrate how as a foreigner minister, minister during 1965 war, he had resisted India uh, and changed its foreign minister uh, minister out of the Security Council, uh, which could only be possible because he was a servant of Islam. He also insisted that Islam is the basis of Pakistan and if a political party did not make Islam the main pillar of its ideology, that the party would not be a Pakistani party, it would be an alien. In 74, Bhutto had gradually phased out more secular left wing members of his PPP from power. Socialist intellectuals with middle class backgrounds made way for traditional landowners who now joined the party. Uh, the PPP then Secretary General Mubashir Hassan wrote later he observed Bhutto's tilt towards an obscurinist interpretation of Islam, the first major manifestation of that inclination in constitutional and legal terms occurred when Islamist groups rioted against the Ahmadi sect. The riots began after a clash in May between Islamist and Ahmadi students at the railway station of Rabwa, the town where the Ahmadi sect had its headquarters. Islamists demanded that the Ahmadis were no different this time around uh, than they had been for almost two decades earlier. In 53, Prime Minister Nazimuddin had been willing to call in the army to stop the rioters and Justice Munir had written his report pointing out the problem with the state accepting demands to define the sect was not at all Islamic. Now Bhutto was unwilling, unwilling to follow Nizamuddin's steps and there was no one of Munir's stature to remind the government that it should not allow clerics to dictate legisla legislation. Uh, even though the Ahmadis as a community backed Bhutto in 1970 election, Bhutto decided to join the religious parties he had defeated at the polls in amending Pakistan's constitution to define Muslim in the way that specifically excluded Ahmadis from the fall of Islam. The Islamists got their biggest legislative victory since the objectives resolution and that too after losing a general election. Uh, so basically, that is what uh, Pakistan was doing until like, from 1947 onwards. There is a lot in this book to talk about, but I, I, I can go to every single, um, I, I, I can go to every single um, page over here. It is important to understand the gist of the situation. Uh, that ideology in God is not going to help you. We are currents and waves. Go to the beach and look at the waves, what you will see currents. It's your currents that form the waves. All the ideologies are in the garbage bin. Uh, no ideology is going to help you until you don't understand the cycles, until you do not make every single junction into an intellectual laboratory, look at all 360 size 
angles do not be judgmental about it and go from there uh, you will recreate the space in your mind to offload the negative convert it into positive and rebuild from the inside so your God is not going to work. Your Abrahamic God of submission is not going to work. It's not a way of life. It's slavery. You have to say it. And once you understand that, you'll understand everything else. Um, and so that's my little reading for today. Uh, Islam, uh, sorry, uh, Pakistan, uh, a dysfunctional uh, nuclear state. I hope that you will buy the book. Um, I will post something on my website for religions, regimes, and, and refugees. Uh, a small thing from Hindustan, Hindustan Times, uh, advising you how, um, since um, how Pakistan has been enslaved apparently from the IMF, but no, no comments on how they got to that point and the mistakes they made um, until they give up their Islam there's never going to be a Pakistan again after this it's going to be part of history not part of the future it's very important to understand that um, your religion is not um, is not something that um, is not something that is going to uh, change um, is going to help you in any way whatsoever because we are currents and waves so i thank you so much for your time i hope you have had a great day um i wish you all the very best and hopefully uh we will get back tomorrow with another episode the indian team athletes would be have would have won more medals and we'll be a happier nation whatever the the tally at the end and we're going to enjoy it um promote our sports promote our athletes and encourage them to be better and and at peace with themselves and that together we may all heal zero violence knowledge is the most important healer once you have the knowledge you can heal you can reconcile and you can resurrect yourself and the country with you so thank you so much for your time i hope you had a great day cheers and stay safe friends <laughs>